You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Okay, so let's start and very welcome to this Coach Pod. Um, today we are in the autumn and if I look outside, we have a colorful tree outside. And uh, in the studio, I have my two guests, uh, Gillian Mulway and Michelle Farr. Me, myself is Nicolien Wackerberg and I'm development leader at Kulturum in Sweden. And Gillian and Michelle, I met you because of your interest in co-production and power dynamics. But please introduce yourself. Michelle, you want to start? Okay, thank you. Hi, yeah, I'm Michelle. Um, I work at the University of Bristol and we're funded um, by the National Institute for Health Research, the Applied Research Collaboration. And so all our research is done in collaboration with community organisations, health organisations and people with lived experience. So it's really co-production in action. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's really nice. Thank you, Michelle, that you are here. And Gillian? Hi, uh, Nicolene, it's wonderful to be here. Gillian Mulvale. Um, I'm an associate professor of health policy and management in the business school at the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. So nice to reach out to everyone there. Um, uh, I, uh, I came to this from um, a bit of an interdisciplinary perspective and a bit of a lived experience perspective in terms of my own experiences in the mental health care system following postpartum depression many years ago when my kids were born and really coming to realize how important it is to um, understand this system from a lived experience perspective. I had lots of training in economics and had worked as an economist for many years, but the kinds of questions I needed to answer based on my lived experience weren't really being captured there. So a little bit about me, and I've done a lot of work in recent years um, around uh, experience-based co-design and co-production involving youth mental health transitions. Thank you, Gillian. And, and you are already in this part of co-production that you are already putting yourself in as a person with everything that you have experienced. Thank you for sharing that. I think that is um, one of the key things in the co-production, that you come as a person and not as a researcher and not as a professor, but you come as Gillian. That's really, really nice. Uh, Michelle, you, are, you have been writing and thinking and doing a lot about power dynamics. Yes. Can, can you tell me a little bit more? Why, why did you get interested and how, what happened? So, yeah, I mean, interestingly, I, I think in some ways uh, there's a there's a similar experience with Julian in that a family member of mine um, uh, was uh, one sort of in mental health institutions um, and um, was sectioned a couple of times. And that was when I was that was when I was in a sort of late teenager. So I just gone to university. So I really as a family member, I saw what it was like on the inside of those institutions and just saw how how wrong it seemed that when someone was at the most difficult times of life, then um, it, the, the system really didn't seem to be providing the right care and support. So, yeah, so I think in some ways that has always been something that struck me. And, and I think why I've come into that is sort of this sort of area is kind of like around sort of 
how do you change systems? How do you change the power structures? So um, when I started my PhD back in 2007, I was really interested in sort of how staff and people who use services can change systems from the ground up rather than it being top-down policy people who make the decisions who don't really know what it's like actually within services and can make, make decisions that are quite um, blind to what's kind of going on at, the, um, in a, at another level. And today, do you think it's possible that people who are using the services can change the services? I think it's a continuing process of um, change. I think it, it's like um, it's like quite a lot of social changes that uh, where you're fighting for more rights or more just social justice that you kind of have to keep going uh, go, going on. And I, I and that's actually some of what I was looking at in my PhD as well. It's kind of like well, where 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 are there gaps in the system that you can start looking at where things can change? And I think that's something for whoever is interested in system change it's trying to look at those different sort of opportunities and seeing where you can have most action to change and, and then um, for, for me it's it's quite helpful to have coaches who, who um, facilitate that kind of change um, but how can we make the coaches aware of this power dynamics and have you any idea or maybe Gillian or so um in terms of uh helping coaches to understand i guess i can only really draw on my own experience trying to do this work um i obviously come at it from uh, a researcher perspective but trying to work with community partners in co-design projects and co-production projects and i would say power has to be at the forefront of your mind recognizing this um uh um relationship between vulnerability and power. And we don't wanna think about vulnerability as being inherent in individuals, but we need to understand that the structures and systems that they've been part of may render them seemingly vulnerable despite their inherent strengths and weaknesses. And this is how power can be used in a good way or a bad way. But we need to be really uh, understanding how can we as coaches or people trying to do this work set a context in which we are enabling people to have their voices fully heard, to be equal partners, that all types of knowledge um, are welcome at the table. And I think that requires uh, positioning oneself, stop, stopping at the very beginning to reflect on where am I starting from? What kind of power and privilege do I have? What about other people in the room? And really taking time to prep and think about that. How do I establish the system, uh, sorry, the, uh, the setting in which uh, we're coming together? Recently, we had an event where we were in an indigenous context and we were really encouraged to have everyone sit in a circle, no tables between us, open, equal, balanced, all voices the same. The setting can be incredibly important. Reflecting before you begin on your own mindset. Am I open to being changed? Am I open to being able to hear other perspectives and to put myself in the position of someone who might be feeling less empowered than I am right now? And I just think even taking that time up front to do that is essential. To think about the language I'm using, 
Am I using language that's accessible? How am I making sure everybody's voices are being heard? How much time am I giving to each person? Um, those are a few things that come to mind right away for me, Nicolene, but it's a huge topic and there's so much that can be said. Michelle may have some other ideas to suggest. I, th I think you've covered quite a lot there, Gillian. Um, I, th I think also that this is always one of the most difficult ones is the unconscious elements of power that we're not even aware we're doing um, and how our assumptions and just the ways we, we go about things might have all these kind of embedded power dynamics within them that we're not even aware of. And it actually might take someone brave to actually say, well, actually we need to do something differently. And so I think it's really important to hold spaces and ask people um, and be very open. I think something that came up in the um, in the, the KPRO 22 uh, conference of so that issue around humility as well is really important and, and being, being open to be challenged and criticized. That's really important as well. I agree with that, uh, Michelle, 100%. That humility um, is essential to be in a place where you realize you aren't the expert. You don't know. You may be a coach. Um, you may have some tips and tricks, which is great. And I don't want to underplay the value of a coach any more than I do a researcher or anyone in the system as a health professional. All of that expertise is really important. But you don't know the lived experience of someone else. Even if you have your own lived experience as I do, it's not the same as someone else's lived experience. We are all unique and we need to be humble enough to learn from one, one another and critically to make mistakes and um, acknowledge them, admit them and change course. Uh, I think it's really essential to the people that you're working with that they see you demonstrating humility not in a forced way, in an authentic way, like just truly being open. And that's why you have to crack open your own worldviews to be able to, to naturally do that and say, oh yeah, never thought of that. Um, that's a real uh, threat to a lot of people who um, are clinging to their, um, their social roles, uh, their professional roles uh, as experts. And we have to just really do away with that. And, come from that place of humanity that Michelle was talking about. It's, it's, it doesn't sound very easy. It sounds, uh, or, or is it easy or, uh, because I just think if you do a thing always the same, in the same way, and then you have to change. Um, so you have to start to change by yourself and then you get insecure. Uh, but you are a coach for a group, so you don't want to show your insecurity. Um, so, so how uh, how can you deal with your own insecurity? I, I think there's something um, about starting with your heart rather than your head. Um, and I think within, I've worked in universities for a long time, <laughs> there's a lot of head work going on. And um, I, I think there needs to be the increasing emphasis on, on sort of working with your heart in the sense of the, the relationships, the building trust with people. Um, and that, that I think is, can be also a source of um, uh, strength in times when it is difficult, actually. I agree. And I think heart, you know, we, in our CoPro 2022 series, we had our, one of our first workshops was co-design heart set mindset and, you know, heart set coming first. How do we come from a place where we're questioning um, even our own assumptions and our own worldviews 
how do we come forward with love? What a topic to talk about. We never say the words love. And yet um, that was our experience when we did our workshop recently. Um, we recognize that actually we're really all coming from the same place and wanting good things. Once you start moving from that place, what seems really scary is actually easier because once you come from a place of humility, people will see that and they're not out to get you. Um, you can let your defenses down and it becomes much easier to relate to one another and work together in a productive way. If I could, would you indulge me, Nicolene um, and Michelle? Uh, we had a poet at our last event and, you know, moving into arts-based activities, I would also suggest as a tip, a wonderful way to bridge across worldviews, areas where there's conflict, a way to kind of come to our common humanity when we're, we're feeling vulnerable and we're all learning together was a really important takeaway. Um, but a part, just a short excerpt from our poet, um, Luluwama Mlalu, who's a PhD student here at McMaster University. One of her poems, she did several over this series, was called Take the Risk, exclamation mark. And it says, there is no set path to anywhere and there is pain in unearthing a road, no doubt. But I've come to understand that mostly we do not want to harm one another. So we trust the process regardless even if nothing of this makes any sense sometimes. But if we take time to sift through the loss long enough, we can also find love in the chaos. And I think that kind of captures what we're talking about. It is a risk, you gotta take it though. Because if we keep doing things the same way we've always done them, nothing's going to change. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And here's this opportunity as coaches to come in with a different mind set with a different heart set and set the tone for an entire um, engagement exercise that can help move us forward differently. Thank you, Gillian. Just to make clear for the listeners, because I think I know what you mean with the different mindset and a different heart set. But Michelle, could you say what, what does it mean? What is the difference? What is the difference in mindset and the difference in heart set? Well, that, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it's about shedding off our institutional roles, uh, speaking with our, 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 I think it's not necessarily emotions, but um, being connected to each other. I think connection is really important. Um, and, and just, um, yeah, acknowledging our own sort of humanity, our own weaknesses and our limitations as well. Yeah, do, do you want to say something more about that, Gillian? If it's helpful, um, you know, I mentioned this self-reflection and I think that's part of setting the stage for the heart set and mindset. We did publish an article in BMJ Open called, Are You Really Doing Co-Design or It Could Be Co-Production? And it's critical reflections when working with vulnerable populations. And you know, it, it, that article might be helpful to people to begin this process because it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I think um, you know, a couple of questions from there. You know, what are your own worldviews and assumptions and values relevant to the topic that you're dealing with? If you take a moment to think about that and think about, do I already think I have the answers to this before we even start? Or am I open? to my own ideas being completely transformed by listening to other people. 
Well, you know, Gillian, um, I, I also work as a coach and I always work with deadlines. Everybody's working with deadlines. Mm -hmm. So you also have, hey, I have to deliver this or we have to deliver that. And what is happening in the co-production process and you get stressed because you think, oh, we have to move forward. Come on, come on. Uh, we make a decision or whatever because you get so stressed because the deadline is coming. M Michelle, do you have any idea what, how can you do as a coach when you feel this stress of the time we, we have to deliver now? Yeah, um, I had a very interesting conversation with a lived experience representative last week about the word deadline. And um, and he said, well, that's a really, that's, that word is just really, oh, do you not going to die? And after the conversation I had with him, I looked it up and um, it comes from American Civil War where prisoners were not allowed over a line because then they would be shot. Oh. So it was literally a deadline. And we we don't have those same deadlines. We're not going to get shot if we've got to get something in by a, a certain day. I tell that I tell that story because that just shows how important it is to. You, if you talk with someone about this, a, a completely different perspective. It's like, oh God, that's and we use that word so often, and that's the the root of it. And so that's another thing we need to be careful of. With, I think co-production is our language. But I think that's that's kind of something that we have to be careful of within co-production. And I think in the in the co-pro conference, we were talking about um, system satisfying rather than actually system changing. And I think we have to be careful when we're kind of like as as we're members of staff within these institutions, we don't get into that kind of role of only system satisfying, we've got these deadlines, we've got this, but actually taking a step back and thinking, well, what's really important here? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's about what's more important to me, meeting the artificial, and I, I've had that exact same reflection, Michelle, <laughs> no one's gonna die here. Why do we create this pressure for ourselves? The word in itself is there this deadline, like as if we're all gonna drop dead and it's not gonna happen. What is more important, that artificial pressure um, or taking the time to understand? And maybe it takes a little longer, but we get a better result as, as uh, a result of taking time and maybe not meeting our deadlines. I know we can't always do that, but to some extent we can. And just even demonstrating that willingness is part of moving from a heart set rather than a mindset. So, so if I take this lesson to coaching again, uh, just to frame it in the coaching, uh, because normally maybe you put on a, an agenda as a coach. So in a way you say, be prepared to throw it out of the window. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's also always a good start to ask as a coach, uh, what does need to happen in this room so that everybody feels uh, it's worth their time? Um, and then maybe you have to throw your uh, agenda through the window, um, but probably not. Uh, my experience is that when people are, uh, did the talk and maybe take some time for that, then you can be really productive. So, exactly. so, so probably there is no big risk, but, but everybody here that, oh, this is a risk and we, we will, won't make the deadline. But I think there is no, no, no very big risk. And I would certainly challenge all our coaches try to to start a meeting without an agenda and make the agenda together with with the people in the room. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm, um, I'm just going to say agenda setting is one of the big issues around power, who is actually setting the agenda. So that always needs to be thought through. Um, and what what are, uh, are people with lived experience actually getting out of, of the, uh, their involvement is so important. Yes, yes. But you know, Michelle, when there is no agenda, my chief is saying, no, you are not going to that meeting because he doesn't know why should I send you to that meeting. So, so there is, again, a lot of tensions. So now normally I put a small agenda, but I always put this can change, this can change. It is, uh, but I, I have to do that so that other chiefs can send their coaches to the meeting. So, so there are a lot of yeah, dynamic chances. Uh, ladies, the time is running. Uh, do we have some summarize? Um, somebody who wants to take that. I don't know if I can summarize, but I'm going to play off your last point, Nicolene. And that is, I think you're constantly navigating. You're constantly navigating between worldviews. You're constantly understanding how do I satisfy my institutional requirements and at the same time making sure that I am coming from the right place and that we're getting what we need. Everyone's getting what they need out of this uh, encounter, this dialogue, this coaching session. You want to add something, Michelle? Uh, I agree. <laughs> okay, well, well, I think super thankful for that you are here and uh, very interesting listening to you. And uh, I hope we maybe can record a part two another time. So hope to see you again. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.